episode number 109 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, for the first time in 2023, we are back here in the United States. But unfortunately, all good moods must come to an end. Chris, because I've been working outside all day, my back is in shambles, I'm pretty sure I have frostbite, so it is absolutely imperative that we get started immediately on tonight's program. Uh, program? (laughs) Program indeed, little buddy. Chris, I am excited about tonight's episode, because tonight we are taking on the topic of time travel. But this isn't really your stereotypical time travel case, Chris. This is not a case of someone ending up in the wrong dimension and thus just trying to find their way home. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. This is a case in which someone time-traveled back roughly 250 years to walk away with a mere bag of shells. And by bag of shells, I mean $350 million. (laughs) That's right, Chris. Tonight... We are taking on the case of Andrew Carlson, the time-traveling insider trader. <laughs> so there's a lot going on here, bud. <laughs> well, I have to say, this is probably a more realistic scenario of time travel. This is very reminiscent of uh, Biff Tannen from uh, Back to the Future, uh, part two, right? When he uh, yeah. when he finds the book and starts betting on all the World Series. <laughs> That's that's right. That's when he's uh, at the top of his own building and the, the whole fucking town's in shambles. <laughs> Much like the world today, Chris. But please, let's uh, leave <laughs> politics out of this, bud. I'm begging you. Chris, let's hop in the BTC time machine, the BTC TM, and head back to January 28th of 2003. Because that is where our story begins. That is when 44-year-old Andrew Carlson was arrested. And now, there's a a little bit of a discrepancy here. Some say that he was arrested in Toronto, Canada, and there are others saying that he was indeed arrested in New York City. Because a main portion of our story takes place in New York, uh, more specifically in Lower Manhattan, on Wall Street itself. That is where our man of the hour, 44-year-old Andrew Carlson, was doing a lot of um, trading. Which is fine. Millions of people do that around the world. But he had uh, quite a bit of, uh, for lack of a better word, luck (laughs) for uh, a period of about two weeks. And that's what happened in that two-week period in January that caught the attention of the FBI. Because, Chris, as our story goes, Andrew walked onto the New York State Stock Exchange with a mere $850 in his pocket. And at the end of his two weeks, and just prior to his arrest on January 28th of 2003, where we show up on the scene, Andrew turned that $850 into, hold on to your hat, little buddy, $350 million. Now that's quite a paycheck. Uh, yeah. And uh, also quite the winning streak. (laughs) Yes, indeed, because we should mention that it's noted here that Andrew made approximately 126 high-risk trades. Can you guess 
how many out of the 126 he got right? 127. <laughs> oh, indeed, little buddy. If he had an extra day or two, I'm sure it would have been 127. But no, he hit it on all 126 high-risk trades. Aside from making $350 million in two weeks and robbing the crooks down on Wall Street, that's in and of itself enough to get you in trouble. But the fact that uh, this guy hit on 126 straight trades, uh, that left no wiggle room for Andrew. The FBI agents were all over him. Well, if there's one thing the government will take notice of, that's if we're making lots of money. Yeah, only they're allowed to cheat, Chris. Come on. <laughs> of course, they want a piece of the action. Uh, and of course, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, was right up. Andrew's ass immediately. Obviously, somebody winning $350 million in two weeks on trades must mean that Andrew has information that maybe he's not supposed to have. So, of course, the first thing that everyone's thinking is insider trading. He must be getting information somewhere before he's making these high-risk trades and just capitalizing up the wazoo because to turn $800 into $350 million in just two weeks it seems pretty impossible to me so that means that andrew had a bit of information that perhaps he wasn't supposed to and this is of course what the sec assumes that this is a case of insider trading that andrew must have got information from these companies or someone and made these high-risk trades prior to some market moving news of course they arrest him immediately without any of this information but <laughs> Get, get, he must get, have something. Get him and his $350 million in custody immediately. It's not, not a shocker there that they would do such a thing. But, no, this um, is not far-fetched at all just yet, Chris. Nope. Um, and so now, in the custody of the SEC, FBI, the government... <laughs> Everybody has their hands in Andrew's pocket. <laughs> Andrew, I mean, he must have a perfectly good explanation here. What is it? Well, he does, if you ask me, but uh, I mean, I'm just the host of this uh, rinky-dink podcast here, Chris, so <laughs> I, I would let him go just based on this explanation alone. Apparently, they held Andrew for a, a number of hours, and throughout that time, the interrogation was ongoing. So Andy here finally says, you know what? I'm coming clean. He decided that the jig is up, man. He's going to tell him. And that is when old Carlson says to uh, the FBI and whoever else is on hand here. He says in a videotaped confession, I might add, and I quote here, it was just too tempting to resist. I had planned to make it look natural, you know, lose a little here and there so it doesn't look too perfect. But I got caught in the moment. Now, you may think that uh, he's referring to insider trading, <laughs> but Chris, you'd be wrong because it's at that point that Andrew tells them that he's indeed a time traveler who traveled back in time nearly 250 years from the year 2256 to 2003 to kind of roll the dice in the stock market. But if he was rolling the dice, those dice were loaded. <laughs> weren't they? Oh, indeed. <laughs> and of course, you can imagine when the authorities hear this information, well... Let's just say they didn't take his word for it. Well, that, that's going to piss them off more. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They're basically going to think that you're just playing them for fools. I mean, 
no person can time travel. That's impossible. And for somebody to make an investment of $800 and turn it into $350 million in two weeks must be either stupid for exposing themselves like this because, of course, it's going to raise a red flag or they're absolutely insane. So that's, of course, what they think Andrew is. They think he's a lunatic and that he's lying. And they continue to hold him in jail with a $1 million bail on his head. And they, they refuse to let him go. Now, mind you, they don't actually have any information that he has actually committed insider trading. So the fact that they're holding him for on $1 million bail right now seems a little bit nuts to me, but... Yeah, they just want to make sure that that $350 million doesn't go anywhere. That That's what they're more concerned about. They, they, they don't care if Andrew is from the year 2,256. They just want their money. So the authorities, as you said, they, they branded him... And I quote here, a lunatic or a pathological liar. And uh, I'm going to continue with this quote here. A source at the SEC said, if a company's stock rose due to a merger or technological breakthrough, that was supposed to be a secret. Mr. Carlson somehow knew about it in advance. So I'm imagining that even though they don't have much evidence, they're looking at the 126 high-risk trades that he made and the fact that he hit on all of them and they're like you know what regardless if we have evidence or not this guy had to have known something so we are not letting him out of our sight just yet and if they want to hold you they'll find a reason to hold you oh oh without a doubt they will they they'll uh they'll hit you for a, a parking ticket and somehow turn it into a 20-year sentence absolutely they continue looking into this case, trying to find something. They need, they need a reason that this guy is to be in, held in prison so that they can get their grubby hands on his money. Give me my money. Chris, right now, I mean, it's pretty obvious who we're siding with, but uh, continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're a little bit biased, I guess. Uh, what Carlson ends up doing here, because he, he really wants to prove the fact that he is from the future. He's like, I, I can tell you things that are going to happen. You know, he's basically telling them, all I want to do is get back to my craft and uh, and go home. <laughs> but he refuses to tell anyone the location of the craft because he fears that it might fall in the wrong hands. Now, this, of course, does sound a little bit convenient. <laughs> I might add for someone to be, well, you know, I have all this information, uh, you know, because I'm from the future. I wouldn't put it past the SEC. Well, technically, that is insider trading. <laughs> uh, in fact, we're going to put in a new clause as we speak. Um, but he says, I can tell you exactly where Osama bin Laden is. And I also can divulge the cure for AIDS. So Andy is really trying to prove his point here, huh? I mean, those are two major claims to make. Did he have any other big news to share? Well... Yes, there is a bit of information that he also shared while in custody, and he had it to the day, and that was the date of the U.S. invasion of Iraq. And now, this information uh, coming to the government, I'm sure now they consider Andrew Carlson a national security threat. Yes, this is going from a little bit of a whimsical tale to uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm getting a little creeped out, Chris. Andrew may think he's vouching for himself by giving up this information, but he's probably only digging himself deeper. One other interesting tidbit about Andrew was that 
whilst the government was looking into him, the SEC admitted that they couldn't find a single record on Andrew of him existing at all before the date of December 2002. Hmm. Now, this is very interesting. That's, uh, <laughs> that's very interesting indeed. But uh, they still weren't having it at this point. And as a matter of fact, they grew even more furious with old Andy. And uh, I, I got a quote here, Chris, that I actually found kind of funny because I have a cousin who is actually a corrections officer <laughs> down at this prison. And it says, um, he capitalized on unexpected business developments, which simply cannot be pure luck. The only way he could pull it off is with illegal inside information. He's going to sit in a jail cell on Rikers Island until he agrees to give up <laughs> his sources. Again, the government is hell-bent on the fact that Andrew knew something ahead of time, and they're not buying the old futuristic explanation here. So bail is posted at $1 million. Ouch. And uh, I'm assuming, Chris, that uh, old Andy wouldn't be able to use that $350 million to uh, bail himself out. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you just deduct that from my... Uh... <laughs> I'll take the 349 and get out of your hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but uh, he does get a bit of uh, unexpected help from an unidentified benefactor. Yes. And at this point, our story, it goes from strange to stranger, Chris, because... As you said, someone posted that $1 million bail, and Andrew Carlson was able to scurry right out of Rikers Island. And scurry he did, because we find out that Andrew, who was supposed to show up for a court date on April 2nd of 2003, never showed. No one knew where he was, not even his court-appointed lawyer. And furthermore, as you had noted earlier, the FBI and the New York City police, they were all investigating Andrew, and there was no proof of his existence anywhere. So they could not find any ties to this man. They had no way of even getting a lead or a clue of anywhere he might be headed. They had nothing. This guy essentially became a ghost to this day. And here we are nearly... 20 years to the day later, because we're recording this on February 26th of 2023, Andrew Carlson has never been seen nor heard from again. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> yes, Chris. He's gone. And Andy disappeared. He never showed up for his court date. And he disappeared in the thin air. So one can only assume that if he is indeed telling the truth, Andy hopped his fat little ass back in that time machine and flew straight back to 2,256. Either that, or there's somebody in Mexico by the name of Andres Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, I'm assuming that he did not get away with his money. No, and, and we don't know, obviously, Andrew's intent uh, after getting the money, if truly he was from the future, how did he plan on taking all this money back with him? He couldn't just put it in a bank account and hope it's still there in 256 years. So it would have had to be in cash, I guess. And that's assuming that 
that cache would still be usable like 256 years later if it had not changed some way or you know, you know how bills go out of commission basically and they're changed so maybe andrew planned on living the rest of his days back in 2003 and uh Upon getting a little too trigger-happy with his trades, he put himself in a bit of trouble and just wanted to get back home. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Chris. Uh, you know how competitive I am. Once I get on a winning streak, it'd be hard for me to let go. So I kind of understand Andrew's dilemma here. Say what you want about Andy, but you cannot say that he was not um, productive. And I tell you what, man, I wish I had that kind of productivity because working a full-time job and then trying to release these podcast episodes as regularly as possible, I find myself running out of energy and focus by 5 p.m. easily. That was until I came across this little elixir called Magic Mind. And I shared a few bottles with you, Chris, and you've been taking it for a little bit now, too. Yeah, actually, it's it's pretty good. And, and the only thing I like about it, too, is it's small. It's like a two, it's two ounces. So it's not like you're drinking like a full 16 ounce bottle of something. Chris and I do a lot of obstacle course racing and that season is coming up very soon. And I'll tell you what, man, I take the magic mind in the morning at around eight o'clock when I drop my kids off at school, I head to the gym. Honestly, by like nine, nine fifteen, I am in the zone and I feel so focused on what I'm doing. And it's also giving me stable energy levels throughout the day, which I'm not used to. In addition to staying more focused and having higher energy levels, you know what that equates to? Having a better night's sleep. And you know me, I've talked about it quite a few times, how I need to take melatonin to sleep. But I'm telling you right now, for the past few weeks that I've been drinking Magic Mind, I've been sleeping like a baby. And bud, you cannot put a price on that. That may be interested as to what am I drinking here? What's in this thing? (laughs) Yeah, actually, I was checking the ingredients the other day because, obviously, <laughs> I'm curious about what I'm drinking. There's, everyone's heard of matcha, uh, ashwagandha is in there, there's uh, lion's mane mushroom, ooh, cordyceps mushrooms, all natural stuff in here, and, and things that are, you know, you have adaptogens, you know, stuff that reduces stress and anxiety. That is what I need, reduce my oh stress, my God. and I'm the most anxious person you're ever going to meet in your life, so Magic Mind has my name written all over it. No, it doesn't. It just says magic. I don't see Bill on this bottle. Oh, but you'd be wrong, Chris, because I have a special code for our listeners. That's right. If you go to www.magicmind.co slash between the cracks, you will receive 20% off both one-time purchases and subscriptions. But we have even a better deal for you. Within the first 10 days upon this episode's release... You'll receive up to 56% off when you purchase a subscription to Magic Mind with our code CRACKS20. That's right. Just use the code CRACKS20, C-R-A-C-K-S-2-0, and you will receive 56% off of your subscription to Magic Mind. Order today and be productive tomorrow. Now, bud, (laughs) I don't know about you, but I'm thinking our mayor, Andrew Carlson, must have had a little bit of Magic Mind in the system. Oh, indeed he did. If you're going to do two weeks of trades and make $350 million, how the hell are you staying up all night? (laughs) Our story does not end there because there's a few other interesting little tidbits that I wanted to bring up. There is that famous photo. People call it the most famous piece of time travel evidence there is, and that is the photo entitled what some people call the modern hipster. And it's that black and white photo where... 
there's a procession of cars coming down the street and you know people are dressed in what looks to be like 1940s or 50s attire except for one gentleman and this guy is wearing a black what looks like a concert t-shirt an open sweater and he has modern sunglasses on and longer hair so it's very odd he just looks very out of place and this picture has been going around for decades and i don't think it's ever been proven to be uh, fraudulent at this point but here's the interesting thing andrew claims that he's in that photo not the guy that most people are focused on as the time traveler not the guy with the glasses not the guy with the sunglasses but if you're looking at the picture he would be to the right of the time traveler andrew claims that that is him dead center of that photo in which he appears to be wearing uh, some kind of uh, light gray blazer or whatnot. But Chris, I'm looking at this photo and I'm comparing it. (laughs) I'm comparing it to the mugshot of Andrew from Rikers Island. I'm seeing quite a few similar characteristics and it's making me a bit uneasy. Am I right? Futuristic boy. I believe you are. I mean, this looks like him. Yeah, it most certainly does. Chris, what's I, going I on the, here? What is happening? The, the forehead, the nose, the mouth, it, it's, it's all clear now. I really don't know what to think. But when I was first looking into this case, I'm like, ah, this is, this is all bullshit, of course. Then, you know, I start reading more and more, and I'm like, oh, man, you know, maybe there is something here. That is when I discovered the very first press release on Andrew. But unfortunately, uh, much to my dismay, I found out that that article was released in none other than your favorite periodical, the Weekly World News. I've never heard of it before. (laughs) It's it's basically that little, um, I mean, if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, it was that little newspaper that was on like the checkout stand. It, it, it was just these fabricated stories, and they were often just kind of funny. But, uh, for example, I'm, I'm looking at one here on uh, this one website that uh, we're using tonight for our research, if that's what you want to call it, timetravelnexus.com, <laughs> in which uh, one of the main articles is a picture of a bald woman and a man sneezing. And it says, man's 174 mile per hour sneeze blows wife's hair off. Chris, <laughs> the sneeze blew the hair right off her head. Smooth off, too, I might add. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the periodical that that, that broke Andrew's case. I don't like this. <laughs> well, we should add that there was also another one where a news reporter is eaten alive by what looks like an 80-foot lizard. Yes, they're calling it an 80-foot dinosaur, but that is indeed just some form of iguana. And, and unfortunately, I got a, a picture of the gentleman here being eating alive. It looks like half of his torso is gone at this point. Uh, so, but this is what little, we're dealing with. A little bit troubling about our time traveling case, perhaps. Yes, indeed it is. But we should mention the story ended up getting picked up by quite a few other news sources. And I believe you told me you found something on Yahoo.com. Releasing the story as if it was... True indeed. Well, it certainly wouldn't be the first time that the news outlets were duped by a story. What makes this very odd is that we do have a mugshot of Andrew, 
And then in addition to that, there is a photo circulating that claims to be police escorting Andrew into Rikers Island. But unfortunately, it's him walking away from the camera. But the head size and hair do look very similar to the man in the mugshot. So I'm not ready to completely dismiss this just yet, Chris. A part of me, I mean, I, I guess it's the romantic nature of time travel and the fact that I want it to be true makes me want to believe this. But the only thing that throws the wrench into the whole system for me, I mean, aside from the story being outrageous in and of itself, is the fact that the story was broke by none other than that pesky little periodical known as the Weekly World News. Bud, before I give my two cents on the topic, I'm going to ask you, what the hell do you think is going on here? Do you think our man, Andy Carlson, is indeed a time traveler? Listen, Chris! <laughs> I'm... I mean, it's really hard to hide uh, the, the fact that this was written by Weekly World News, but I am going to uh, write down my verdict here on this piece of paper, and I'm going to send it to you through the BTCTM, and you should be getting it okay. in uh, 10 minutes ago. Uh, all right, so I'm back here <laughs> now. I'm back here uh, 10 minutes earlier than I'm actually talking right now, Chris. And, ooh, oh, that's uh, quite interesting, Chris. I am getting the read here that you do indeed think that this story is bullshit. Oh, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> oh, no, come on, man. But, of course, what says you? Well, thank you for asking, Chris. And unfortunately, your reaction brings me much dismay because it reminds me of the way you acted in that one episode we did on the TikTok Time Traveler where you were just a total killjoy. And I was the one who believed that that young man was indeed a time traveler <laughs> stuck in TikTok somewhere. <laughs> He's but, uh, still there. I, I never looked that guy up. I, I got to see if that thing's still around. But as for this, uh, man, as I said... I, I love the idea of time travel. I'm fascinated by it. And I do think that, or at least I hope that there is a possibility that this could be true. But two things dissuade me from actually having the balls to say that I believe that this is actually true. One is the weekly world news. And two, and more importantly, and probably more legitimate, would be the fact that our government would never let someone go on $1 million bail if they had access to $350 million that they thought was stolen through insider trading. There's no way they're letting this guy out. <laughs> that is a bit more realistic, yes. I'm sure the the bail would have been set at uh, $17 bajillion. <laughs> if they gave Andy a few more weeks on the stock market, I'm sure he would have uh, been able to come up with it. <laughs> But uh, Chris, I, I'm going to say it, man, and I, I, I hate to spoil everybody's fun, but I think, unfortunately, that this story is indeed bullshit. I don't think that Andrew Carlson ever did exist, and if he did exist, he certainly was not a time traveler. But nonetheless, real or fake, 
I never get sick of covering time travel episodes. I absolutely love it. It is definitely very interesting. I think one of the ones that we did with that guy who uh, they found in, uh, was that also New York City? With- yes, that was. He was the guy that got hit by the car. Yes, you're yes, right. Yes, and he, he had currency or something on him that wasn't of that time. That was a very realistic one, man. I got to listen to that uh, episode. I forgot we even covered that. <laughs> yeah, it is. The, it's definitely cool to think about. And who knows? Just perhaps it does exist, of course, in the future. Or in the past. I said, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But that's it, buddy. All right, Doc. <laughs> that's it, Chris. That is the tale of Andrew Carlson, the time-traveling insider trader. Now, Chris, I wish there was a time-traveling machine here so I could just transport right into the house, but unfortunately, I got to give the rundown and lock up the BTCRF for the night, and my feet are absolutely numb because it's freezing out here tonight, Chris. But let's give the rundown, and much like Andrew, we can disappear for the night. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com, or you can get in touch with us on Instagram at Between the Cracks Podcast. Uh, what else do we got here? If you would like to become one of our lovely patrons, please do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. Also, we have a new merch shop down there at T Public. I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. And I got to tell you, the quality of the merchandise that they release is second to none. I really like the job that they do. So uh, we're going to be sticking with them from now on. Woo! So, without any further ado, what do you say we wish the fine, fine people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh, a farewell. Great Scott.